came across uh, an interview with uh, Longpore Passano recently that came out on a podcast that I wasn't even aware of. Did anyone else hear, listen to that? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like in the last month. I don't know. No, mm-mm. no. It was some other kind of podcast. They put it up on the Abayagiri website. <clears throat> and I hadn't seen it sort of uh, get posted, but I was looking back, you know, what have I missed? <laughs> uh, and I came across this interview that he did recently uh, with a fellow who does um, a podcast uh, about the Dhamma and Dhamma teachers. And it was a very well uh, organized interview. And it was really focused around um, Longpur's uh, uh, life in the Dhamma. And I know that uh, a biography is being worked on right now for him. And you know, I have to wonder if this was an orchestrated kind of interview to lead uh, you know, to these, uh, to and you know, to kind of fill in these details about uh, Longpur's life. Either way, it was uh, absolutely delightful. It was about an hour long, and the um, the interviewer asked him, you know, questions about his early life in Canada and all the way up to how things are going right now to Baikiri with uh, the new abbot. And, you know, a lot of it was the stories that I'd heard before, details that I knew, or bits and pieces of anyway, depending on who's telling the story, you know, <laughs> different things are emphasized. And so it was interesting to hear uh, Longpore sort of tell his own story in his own words and uh, how he came, came up through this tradition. And uh, there was one a bit that I was particularly interested in, which is how he ended up coming to uh, be the co-abbot of a Baigiri monastery, which is uh, sort of our, um, you know, uh, we're affiliated with that monastery. There are uh, guides. We also have like an official sort of affiliation with them <clears throat> uh, through our structure and all our nonprofit structure, et cetera. And, uh, but I didn't really know how it came to be that he and Ajahn Amaro were uh, uh, co-abbots there. And uh, I can, you see, I could, I'm going to be talking a lot today. I decided to pre-fill my water <laughs> glass. <clears throat> Long pour or Ajahn Amaro had been asked by Ajahn Sumedho to uh, look into starting a monastery in, in, the, in, uh, in America, in California, through a variety of circumstances. Things were kind of primed for that. Uh, but it was, you know, taking a while. Ajahn Amaro was making visits. And um, uh, meanwhile, things were a little bit chaotic back in uh, England and elsewhere. And uh, so the, the community was kind of hunkering down and, you know, making sure that its communities were solid and, you know, pulling back a little bit on, <clears throat> on this big uh, potential project in, in the States. And meanwhile, 
um, Long Parpasano was on a year-long retreat at Chithurst. So he had been uh, living in Thailand for quite some time. He had been the abbot of a monastery there. And he was uh, on a sabbatical, essentially, in England and uh, kind of hearing, you know, what was going on and in the States. And, and he had begun to give some thought to what he was going to do next, you know, looking forward in his life <clears throat> and uh, how he put it. And I actually, I went back and sort of listened again because I, didn't, I missed something and, and I'm glad I did. And he said that, uh, that he was looking forward in his life. He'd already been in robes for about 20 years, been the abbot of, uh, Nana Chad, an international forest monastery in uh, Thailand for 10 of those years or something. I'm a little bit uh, estimating. And uh, he, he's, he started to think about, you know, where else maybe he could help out. Yeah, he used that term, where, you know, where, where else can I help out? What can I do? Maybe as I look forward. And, um, you know, toward uh, the end of his year sabbatical in England, uh, you know, he was hearing that it was uh, getting a little bit more difficult uh, to get something established in the States and that um, they had decided, the community had decided until they had four monks available to establish something <clears throat> in the States, they weren't going to pursue it because they wanted to have a really solid foundation from the beginning. It was a big move, you know, <clears throat> a big project. And uh, he said he was talking to Ajahn Amaro. Um, at one point, Ajahn Amaro, who is uh, a self-identified, a self you know, fretter, worrier. <laughs> he was fretting and worrying. <laughs> Uh, about this and how are we ever going to find four monks and this is really getting drawn out and da, da, da. I wasn't there so I don't know but this is kind of what I was picking up from the story uh, and and uh, and and Langropathana said uh, well you know well, maybe I can help out maybe I can help out and and then you know he took a little he took a little uh a little pause there, and he said, "When um, when he hears Ajahn Amra tell the story <laughs> of this moment, <laughs> Ajahn Amra says uh, that Ajahn Pasano was kind of, you know, is usually quite straightforward and direct, but was really kind of talking in circles a little bit and demurring, and uh, you know, but when Ajahn Am <laughs> Ajahn Amaro uh, realized that what he had just said, <laughs> uh, which was offer this kind of, oh, I could help out with that. He goes, uh, he said, he said, I, I about jumped up and was going to kiss you. <laughs> I about jumped up to kiss you. <clears throat> and, you know, of course, uh, long person, well, you know, it's where don't tell anybody I said. <laughs> I said this. I've got nobody knows. I'm thinking about this. I've got to go back to Thailand and look after, you know, a transition at Wat Nanachad and in fact get permission <laughs> to make that transition and to, 
you know, kind of um, let go of some other duties and start helping out with this project. And uh, so, uh, but he said after that, and this is very funny to hear him kind of speak uh, kind of frankly and in a funny way. And he said after that, uh, 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 Adonamaro had the confidence, you know, to kind of pursue this project with, with energy, you know, even though nobody knew it was a private conversation, a little, uh, just a little bit of a, you know, I could, <laughs> He, he was able to begin pursuing this project with a lot of um, confidence. And this is how Longpore put it in the, in the podcast. He said, because he knew he had this ace in his back pocket <laughs> of Ajahn Pasano being willing to help out. <laughs> and it really was an ace in his back pocket uh, because uh, Ajahn Pasano at the time was um, – he was really, really well-known and well-respected in Thailand. Uh, he had been living there for almost 20 years. He had been running this monastery. Uh, he um, was uh, well-known for uh, launching projects that worked and did well, you know, like a reforestation of Wat Papang and some other you know, kind of big initiatives. He had a lot of energy and a lot, and a, people had a lot of confidence in him, especially back in Thailand, which is really important for kind of, you know, creating that through line all the way from Northeast Thailand to England to California. Uh, so he, he knew, you know, that him offering to help was, uh, was, was truly helpful. <laughs> And, you know, ultimately, um, they did establish a, a monastery. Now it's been something like, was it, were they about to have a 25 years or did they just have that, something like that? 25 years down at Abayagiri uh, recently. Yeah, am I close? Okay. So that was a while ago. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, it's wonderful, you know. They've trained a lot of monks uh, down there and lay people. And um, now there are quite a number of, uh, Ajahn Chah monasteries throughout uh, North America. So they planted with a little offer of help. You know, they planted a seed, and that seed has begun to flourish, you know, <clears throat> through North America, including hair, <laughs> of course. I can't forget about those. <laughs> yeah, but you're probably picking up, though, what uh, struck me was um, this kind of uh, humble and clear-headed um, intention to help out. I mean, even before, you know, he said to Ajahn Amaro, I could, I could help with this. You know, he's thinking about, well, where could I help out next? And where could I help out next? And, uh, and that's a really interesting uh, non-positioning in the world, doesn't it? Like, I don't think, uh, I like to, I like to use the term villagers, you know, for us, for me as a lay person, a person with family and a job and all the things and all the trappings and all the fun. <laughs> okay. I'm a villager. You know, this isn't, 
I'm not a monastic. I'm not in uh, kind of that lifestyle. I'm a villager. I have all these other kind of things uh, to look after and deal with. Um, and I and I and I think you know in the in the world uh, that isn't often how people plan their careers. Say, <laughs> oh, where can I mm, where can I help out next? Like, what would what would what would be a good place for me to help out next? Uh, or even their family lives. You know, sometimes I think so, right? We have five aging parents. Many of us do have been through that, you know. So that might be bringing up that sense of where can I help out next? You know, or with friends or in our community, where can I help out next? What would be good? What would work? You know, what would serve the community, myself, um, the family, my career, uh, but coming from that place of a, of a total non-positioning in the world, you know, but not what is my next title or what is my next uh, salary, uh, what's my next achievement, what's my next milestone, uh, because, uh, you know, I can I can assure, I assure, I can assure myself that that wasn't what Longcore was thinking. You know, what's my next milestone? <laughs> the next rung on my Dhamma career. <laughs> I mean, it's a pain <laughs> to run a community. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> A beautiful, beautiful pain. That's a lot of responsibility uh, and a lot of um, work and a lot of awe and a lot of wonderment and a lot of beauty and a lot of energy. Uh, uh, but I think, you know, I was struck by that perspective. Where might it, where could I maybe help out next? <clears throat> Uh, so, you know, for me, that is, um, that's practice, as they say in this, in this tradition, in the suttas, uh, that is practicing the Dhamma in accordance with the Dhamma. So it's not practicing the Dhamma in accordance with my wants or wishes, views, <laughs> opinions. <laughs> uh, it's practicing the Dhamma in accordance with the Dhamma. Okay, I'm a practitioner of Dhamma. You know, I for me that means living by the five precepts, being in community, you know, checking in with my teachers, elders. Uh, but it doesn't have anything to do with a positioning in the world, you know, anything to do with a title um, or a you know, a ladder of any kind. <laughs> uh, and that feels really good to just be always coming back to um, what is it like to practice the Dhamma in these conditions? What is it like to practice the Dhamma in these conditions? And what if these conditions change? You know, well, then I'll practice the Dhamma in these conditions. <laughs> And just, you know, recognizing that our center can be this practice. 
And as the conditions change, then we adapt and recenter around the Dhamma, around uh, the teachings of the Buddha that make sense to us, that work for us. So I think I'll just leave it there for now. Thank you.